0: Hello and welcome to a special summer bonus episode of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson and I hope you are having a great summer. It's been really hot here in Saskatoon. There's been smoke in the air some days. The plants in my backyard are sucking up all the water they can. And I've been doing lots of birding this summer because I'm quickly turning into a bird nerd. I hope that's okay. I think that's okay. Anyway, I hope you're doing well, and I can't wait for Season 4 of YXE Underground to launch on September 9th. It's going to be a fantastic season of stories featuring people who are doing amazing things in Saskatoon that are flying under the radar. Thank you, as always, for your support of all things YXE Underground. I'm very excited to share with you a conversation I had this summer with a really insightful and caring person named Lisa Gregg. Lisa is a social worker by trade and has worked as a therapist in the past. Currently, she works as a student affairs professional at the College of Dentistry at the University of Saskatchewan and is about to have her second child. Lisa also has a wonderful podcast called Highlighting Real, as well as a great Instagram page with the handle Lisa Gregg Wellness. Through her Instagram account and podcast, Lisa shares stories and sparks conversations centering on mental health and wellness, but what I really love about Lisa is she does this in a very authentic and genuine way. In no way does Lisa try and tell people how to feel or sell them something as a quick fix to mental health challenges. Instead, she shares what is going on in her very busy life. Lisa has a husband with great musical taste named Ross and a son Holden, and then the challenges that they all face. I really admire how Lisa discusses mental health and wellness, and I wanted to know more about how she's able to spark so much interest and discussion in our community through her podcast and Instagram account. We met at Sparrow Coffee Shop on 2nd Avenue and sat outside to talk. It was the day after Saskatchewan's public health orders were lifted, and you'll hear that mentioned a few times in our conversation. You'll also hear Lisa discuss why she wants to connect with people in our community, how wellness has become so commodified in recent years, and if she ever feels like she shares too much on social media. I loved speaking with Lisa, and I hope you find the time to find her podcast and Instagram accounts, as they are both worth your time. Now, before we begin, I would like to acknowledge that this interview was conducted on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. I started our conversation with a very simple and easy question for Lisa. What does wellness mean to her?
1: Oh my God, you would do that, hey? Um, Wellness is not what people have made it out to be. <laughs> I think, oh, this is such a big question, Eric. Wellness is taking care of yourself and whatever that looks like with where you are right now. I think we've taken wellness and we've commodified it. I think people claim to be wellness professionals but it's to sell something and um, and again I'm not saying it's not a business I'm just saying I think wellness is very individual I think it needs to really look at the whole person and I think wellness really isn't about living with the absence of illness I think wellness is just about
0: learning to take better care of ourselves. when you say commodifying of wellness like that's that's a big thing too how how do you how do you see that Lisa oh that's you
1: know I think when we talk about commodifying wellness it's just about selling people the things that they already have or know to package it to say that you're gonna be perfect once you do this or you're gonna be better once you do this and of course what comes to mind for me is like diet culture and fads and you know you have to eat a certain way to be a certain way You have to wear something to be something and and we're really taking advantage of that when we put wellness behind a name and that's probably what I mean by commodifying. How did,
0: how did it get to be that way?
1: Oh, isn't that a great question if I knew the answer to? Um, you know, I, I don't know, but I think the world that we're in right now has really evolved to just, maybe it's like the stronger presence we've had visually online, the more we're wanting to look and be and, and present a certain way. And you know I wonder, you know, how wellness has evolved even over the last 50 years because I think if you were to sit down with one of my grandmothers and say, "Tell me, grandma, what does wellness mean to you?" I think they would say like, "Who the hell has time to focus on their wellness?" You know? And now we're all like wellness, wellness, boundaries, self-care, and like I I love all those things, but you know, I think it's all very image driven and I wonder if that's where it's evolved.
0: That's that's really interesting when you mention your grandma. Like I I could only picture my um my grandma. I I had two grandmas. There was a grandma at Chaplin and a grandma at Morris. One lived in Morris, one lived in Chaplin. Yeah. Um but my grandma at Morris was very um like she would call you out on on your BS kind of deal. And I could only imagine her like looking at some posts or and just being like, "What is what is this? I don't have time for this. Like I'm too busy on the farm doing things."
1: Yeah. Like that's and that's and I mean, of course, those rural roots too. Like yeah. these like these like farm grandmas that just like worked like they didn't have time and I think where our generations are getting it right and I can speak especially for women I mean that's where my focus and my passion's always been it's like we're finally like adding ourselves to the list you know when we're finally you know not first but we're on the list and we're taking care of ourselves versus I think the older generations that wasn't an option because there was a farm and there was however many children and they were so busy and and I'm not saying that that was a the, the right way either. But I think now there's pressure for us to, to take our wellness and package it as opposed to just, what do I have right now? What will work? How can I make this work for me in my life right now?
0: Oh, that's interesting about the packaging. Um, is it, because I, I, I like things, I like things categorized. I like things, sort of, I, especially when it comes to, yeah. But like, so then does that, does that make it tempting in terms of wellness to sort of have everything sort of Set here and here and here and packaged and all that. I
1: think that's like knowing yourself and what works yeah. for
0: you. I mean, I love checklists, right?
1: Yes, you do. Because uh, yes, I've seen that on social media, yeah. I love yeah. checklists. Um, but I, I think it's about what's your intent. I, you know, I think that that's the question that so many of us have to go back to when we're doing something like what's our intent? And is our intent to take better care of ourselves? Is our intent to make our quality of life better? Or is our intent to be something that we think we'll be better off? You know, a, the best, a better version of ourselves. because it's like when I accomplish X, then I will be this. And I think so, you know, so much of what I, my wish for people is that like, just be who you are right now. Like that's enough. You know, it doesn't mean we can't strive to be the best versions and improvement and stuff, but there's like this chronic seeking for more all of the time and I I think we're losing out on like right now and that's probably where the mindfulness has really started to come in
0: you you mentioned the word intent and so I'm wondering where your intent was um especially during during the pandemic when we're 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 at home we're um you know we we can't go out and do all the things that we normally do but for a lot of people it it was a time of like you know maybe slowing things down reflecting and this is when I first really came across you on Instagram and all the all the I think great things that you do just to make people think about wellness and think about mindfulness um, what why did you start to do that Lisa
1: like I think I would be lying if it wasn't just a creative outlet for me you know think like, I think first and foremost like I enjoy it that's why I first and foremost why I do it it's a creative outlet And I think second of all, it's just, this is the stuff that swirls around in my head, so why not share it? You know, like, it's like, I'm I'm thinking about it. This is what I struggle with. This is what I find helpful. Um, Why not share that? And I think, you know, working, like, I've I've worked as a therapist, and it's like, you know, you sit in and you listen to people's problems, and they often have the solutions themselves anyway. Um, But it's like, why, like, why withholds, my own struggles like right like why not share that and if one person can be like hey I'm gonna try that that's helpful I mean perfect mission accomplished
0: Um, I want to get to that in a minute but can you first as a loud tractor goes by us tractors in the city city. Um, can can you Lisa give a few examples of of some of the things that you you have posted online to whether like I, I can, I've got a few in my mind that, um, but I, I want you to explain to people like what, what, what you've been doing, I would say these past 16, 17 months. Cause I think, I, I think it's really great.
1: You're so kind. And I'm like, I wish I could say like, oh, it's been so methodical and just content organized, but it's literally as something pops into my head, it's like, I, that's just what I need to share. And so whether it was, um, you know, started back in January, Uh, like a self-compassion, you know, challenge. So like every day just doing something that takes care of ourselves. Or June was the journal prompts for 30 days because journaling has been so, well, I tell everybody to journal and I don't do it myself, (laughs) not consistently. And so I was like, okay, I need to like, it's like do what I say, not as I do. And so I'm like, okay, I've now really gotten into a better habit of journaling. So it's like, okay, I'll share some prompts because I know my hardest part of journaling and what I hear from so many people is like, but where do you start, what do you say? Do I just go like, dear diary, today was a good day. And so prompts are always helpful for me. And I think that comes with like, we are such perfection seekers. So we wanna even make sure our journals are saying the right thing. And I mean, I'm obviously projecting, cause that's me. Um, and so it's like, okay, a prompt can just give us a starting place and then we can go from there. So I'm like, if that, if people find that helpful, great. I will share what I'm doing anyway. And so I teamed up with my cousin and, and we did that fun little project together. Um, and then other than that, like, it's just been sharing gif- different events and activities and just, like, things that come up. Like, it's, it, they just, like, literally will pop in or they present themselves. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's that's ruminating in my head. So I need to get it out and maybe it's because more than just me need to hear it.
0: With, with the journaling, because I, I used to journal and I... I... I don't anymore but uh, for a while there i i did and i really enjoyed it um and and it was interesting watching how many people responded to that were you were you surprised at how many people were like oh my gosh like i'm i'm loving this
1: yeah it was like it was like a little reward you know it was like that like hit of endorphins when people would be like hey i'm i'm doing this or like some people stuck it out the whole 30 days some people fell off the bandwagon and jumped back on but I just like the way that some people who maybe didn't journal thought about it in a different way that, oh, okay, there's a different approach to this, or there's a way to make it easier for myself, or, okay, so maybe how I've been doing it hasn't worked for me. But, you know, they're learning that it helps, and it does, like, it
0: really does help. Okay, so tell me tell me how it helps.
1: You know, I had a colleague one time that summarized it best, which she said sometimes journaling takes the emotional and makes it rational for us. And so it's like taking everything that's in your head that you just like can't sort out and just making space. And so you just get it on paper in a very non-judgmental safe space. Um, And it just helps you process what is actually bugging you, what's stressing you, what actually matters. And I think we are constantly inundated with so much coming at us. And it's a way to kind of sort through and sift through the thoughts
0: is it kind of a way to like almost like decompress at the end of the day?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like, you know, a lot of people will say do like the morning pages where you you know write in the morning cuz that's when you're the clearest and you can get everything out. But some people love writing in the evenings cuz it's just their way to kind of decompress after the end of the day and you know, it helps with their sleep hygiene, right? They you know just kind of gets everything out of their heads and then they go to sleep.
0: I didn't even think about the sleeping part, yeah. but yeah, that's huge. Huge,
1: right? Because I mean I'm a constant thinker and so it's just like sometimes you have to like just get something and I mean I'm also now 35 weeks pregnant and nesting so like in the middle of the night I'm also waking up and being like okay what is that to do thing and I'm like putting it in the notes in my phone because I'm just like you have to get it out of your head but you know with clients we used to do all the time where it's like if something's waking you up in the night like laying there thinking about it is not productive for you so just keep a notepad by your bed and write it out and then go back to sleep. It'll be there in the morning.
0: Yeah. It it reminded me of, uh, I I spent a semester, this was years ago, in Prague in the Czech Republic. I was 21. And we spent, we took a train to Poland one weekend and we went to Auschwitz and we spent like two or three days there and we toured everything. And I remember um, coming back um, home, like to Prague, into the dorms and I wrote in my journal a lot. And then I wrote a, a big long email to my parents. The sad thing is I lost that journal. I don't know where it is, but I I found that it was, it was so beneficial just to like, like you say, like rationalize what I had just seen and felt like over, over two days. So, um, yeah, like even though I I didn't do the 30 day challenge, but it, it just, it just sort of gets you, gets you thinking, does it? it?
1: It does. And I mean, Eric, I didn't the 30-day challenge and it was my own (laughs) like you know like there was days where I was like oh man Um, but it it just gets you thinking so it's like even if you create that time for you to just reflect I mean how many of us me wake up in the morning and you grab your phone and then you're scrolling and then you're you know grabbing some breakfast drinking some coffee if you've got kids you're getting them like we just don't stop and so it's like if you find a way to just take a pause and just think about a question I mean that's already more that you're doing for yourself
0: so um, I, I was also thinking about it too. This past weekend, um, we were at my wife's farm, and uh, her, Jen's mom had found Jen's great great grandpa's journal. But it was literally, and he had beautiful penmanship. Um, but it was literally um, one line per day, and it was it was like you know um, April fourteenth, uh, cleaned horses' teeth, um, did this with plow that like moving like, and then the next because it was like nineteen twenty five. But it was such an interesting historical record. Um, but I just thought it was neat. Like he he took one line, and then just moved on to the next date. Like he summed up his whole day in one in one line. I don't know if we could do that now, but I just thought that was really but, cool. Like
1: how fun to like get a glimpse into that, right? Yes. Like and to see that. But like <laughs> the joke, and I I don't know. There's like a term. It's like dust adding, and it's like Swedish death cleaning. And they talk about this practice of like you know obviously like not like at end of life but just like going through your things ahead of time and determining who gets what while you're still very much alive and a part of that is like creating this basket or bin of things that like can just be thrown out in a way so just to give people permission that like just because it was sentimental to me doesn't mean that you have to hold on to it forever if that guilt right and i'm like oh yeah like my journals would go in there i don't want my I don't want Holden like going through my journals to be like what was mom thinking Or like oh (laughs) snap like she was mad at dad yesterday right but could you imagine like you know like the thought of like some of your like deepest thoughts like your children sitting around the table and being like check out what grandma had to say
0: (laughs) grandpa Eric had a crush on this girl when he was 20 (laughs) had a crush on this girl yeah that is kind of
1: right it is funny because like you said like her um, great or great great grandfather like talked about plowing and work and the horse's yeah. teeth but i'm like oh what what would we say like oh i know it's different yeah It
0: really yeah. um can, can you also explain to uh we're recording this the day after so it's july 12th right now and um yesterday was the day that um although you know apparently the not the pandemic's over but it in Saskatchewan, well, it's it, lifted. Restrictions lifted. There we go. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah. Um, but you you did a really interesting post yesterday that definitely got me thinking. Can you explain a little bit about it?
1: Yeah. So, of course, like waking up on the day that the world was supposed to change in Saskatchewan, but it's like, went to bed, woke up, it's the same thing, and uh, the numbers are still the same. But we can save that for another time. Um, and but I wanted to reflect on it because it was sitting with me and a practice that um I always did when I did grief and bereavement support and therapy that I learned from a mentor of mine Marlene was finders keepers losers weepers and it was just simply reflecting you know as we've gone through these 16 months to me it would be such a loss if we didn't reflect on what we keep with it what we take with us what we grieve through all of this and so just creating that space to again reflect on what that is so you know finders like what is something you learned um through these last 16 months. Uh, Keepers, what's something that you're really gonna take with you? And maybe that might be a behavioral change or a habit that you got into or just talking more with people at a distance because we've all had to learn how to connect virtually and via Zoom. Um, Losers being like, what's the thing that you no longer have space for and you wanna get rid of? And then weepers you know where i use that is like i think there's been so much grief this past 16 months and not just not death loss just losses loss after loss after loss and you know it's a dr dan siegel says you have to name it to tame it and so it's about like name it give yourself that time to really acknowledge like what have you lost in these last 16 months because pretending you didn't is not helpful for you either and you have to sit in that and so just that reflection to really go through like what what has this last 16 months been about I think we've all been in surviving mode and we need to reflect on that before we can really move forward in it
0: when you were when you were thinking about that like it did you did you do that yourself
1: I did yeah, yeah. yeah I you know I because again um, and I shared some of them even in my post because I think it's so unfair to say to people like hey think about this do it um, but I'm not going to like I you know like as like you know, my Lord and Savior Brene Brown says, but it's like you know, vulnerability is the birthplace of connection. So it's like, you in some ways, you have to practice what you preach. And so it's like I'm not going to ask people to share, and but withhold my own thoughts like all of the time. And so a big thing for me was sharing, you know, just a few of my own, and and what that looked like.
0: Has is that ever scary though for you, Lisa? And and not just like in in something like that, but. <clears throat> You you have been you've been so open. Like not only on on the podcast which we'll get to in a minute, but like with with all the social media posts. Like you like you are being vulnerable but in a very like public way. Um is that scary at all?
1: Oh my yeah, I hate vulnerability. Like I hate it. Like what do you mean? What do you mean you hate it? Uh, like you know, I'm like, I just say I'm learning. Like I've really learned how much better it is when you express yourself and like I too like I'm a reforming perfectionist where like there's nothing wrong with failing and sharing the struggles but for a long time it was like I wanted to present as a certain way and like that is not helpful.
0: Why, why did you want to do that? that I, I'm surprised by that because you know I've I guess I've only this is the first time we've met but I've only known you. Yeah. Um, sort of in an online way as someone who is very open and very vulnerable so it surprises me that you always weren't that way
1: I, you know, I, I don't know I think it was just you just failure, that fear of failure and, you know, if you do things a certain way then you're not going to fail and you'll just meet those checklists of life and away you go and then it doesn't always happen and then you go through a struggle or things happen and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm still fine I'm still me okay we can survive this and then you just kind of like learn to drop the armor um, but yeah so like I think that that vulnerability piece though is I'm just learning it's key it's just it's key to to connect with people in a meaningful way
0: did you have an aha moment when it came to that or is this something a bit more gradual like through the years or? I think
1: it's more gradual Eric like I yeah I wish that there was like a big aha moment where I could be like wow that was really great um, but I've you know I'm so fortunate for the amazing people in my life and these like deep meaningful friendships and people I trust. Like I'm a I would say like I'm an outgoing introvert, but I I am an introvert. And then see another big track. and recognizing that in myself, I think I spent a long time thinking I was extroverted and then you get that anxiousness. But it's like when you realize like you're introverted and small talk is like super awkward and uncomfortable. And it's like I just want to like get to the meat of the conversation. Like let's skip that BS and like let's just talk about what we want to talk about. And I think once I learn that that's what fills my cup up, it's like, okay, let's do more of that. That's okay when there's people that you trust and, and you know, you can be vulnerable, but also still not share everything with everyone. You know what I mean? Vulnerability is not just like verbal diarrhea. Where yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm gonna just like, tell you everything that's been awful that I haven't healed within myself and you're here to fix it and I'm, I want you to feel awkward at the end of our conversation you know but I think it is just to me vulnerability really is about like just just share the struggles because it's human
0: have there been times when you are about to share something with your I'm going to say your audience um, whether it's on the podcast or whether it's on social media and you thought um maybe like maybe too far like do you have do you have an editor in your brain
1: (laughs) oh do i have an editor that's a nice word for her um (laughs) sometimes she's nice sometimes she's not um do you know what so far it's been okay and i guess it's because i mean it's it's very nice of you to say audience i i have some wonderful you know by no means is it that influencer of thirty thousand people but i have like a small army of amazing people and i i love i love that community that's been created and and I trust them and so it's like I'm gonna share what I think feels right and I I haven't experienced the vulnerability hangover yet where it's been like you know you share and you're like oh that was too far I I haven't Um, but I think though that you know I think that hopefully also speaks to like this is also what my field of practice is in and so it's like I don't want to be a practicing clinical social worker who's spewing too much out there. And I I don't want this to come across as somebody being like, oh, is she saying that I'm saying too much? Never. Like, just be yourself. But I know for me, there's there's always going to be stuff that is not going to be public. You know, I'm not going to share um, all of the meltdowns of my child just because I'm not... Because that's... I don't want... For him, like that's... You know what I mean? He has... He can't consent to like the meltdowns. But does he smile in my Instagram? He sure does. But when I... Don't post those pictures. Like, am I the mother that's just like, oh my gosh? So, yes, of course. You know, and, you know, does my marriage have arguments? Of course it does. But I'm going to, you know, I'm going to highlight the highs, but then talk about the struggle, probably more in a reflective tense. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that does. Um, is that, like, finding those lines um, and, and boundaries, is that does that take a while or, or is that because of your of your background and your experience, has that come easier in terms of sharing so much?
1: I think it comes with, in reflection like in hindsight. I, I, You know, I think it's like, I probably you know, it doesn't mean like it has to be an event that happened a year ago, maybe it's been four days um, but if I'm really going through something harder, a struggle, I don't go to social media to process it. You know, I go to people I trust to talk about, I again will write it out. That's where I do my like processing. And then I'm more likely to share the reflection. And I'm not gonna like edit out the hard parts that got me there. But I'm not going to go online to the audience to say, I'm so mad. Like, you know, the emotional brain is not like my emotional brain is not the person posting. It's probably my rational brain that's posting. Oh my
0: gosh. I I just had I was just thinking, wouldn't it be great if you were in charge of Twitter and that was like the policy that people had to follow? Right.
1: Donald Trump would never get a tweet. <laughs> <Now can> they- <laughs> but,
0: but if if people, because so so much of of a lot of our sharing is so emotional, it's like, you know, when I'm watching, you know, what, once the riders start playing again, when once I'm gonna be to like, what was, you know, what was Fajardo doing? That kind of yeah. stuff, or like when I watch hockey or basketball, but. Yeah, and obviously this stuff is more serious, but that's so interesting, yeah, that you you process it, and then when you're ready, you reflect on it.
1: And like, let's not kid ourselves, I mean, thanks to Facebook Memories, it shares with me like what 22-year-old me thought the world needed to know, like, Lisa is so ready for a fun night tonight, like, who cares what she was doing? But like, it's so funny, and I'm like, oh my god, like, what a terrible online journal that is.
0: Eric from 12 years ago, Facebook memories, is just, he's, he's a, I wouldn't hang out with him at all. Well, I mean, like, this is a bit of a hot mess.
1: Like, I'm looking back and I was like, yeah, she had a good time. Like, good thing she wrote it on Facebook. She probably has no memories. Like, yeah, it's, but it's, right? So it's, like, also, like, I don't envy, I mean, our teenagers now, they get such a bad rap, and I don't envy them because there's so much, like, pressure and, writing and like everything is online and i'm like oh god at 16 i don't even want to know what i would have thought was important oh,
0: oh gosh no no, oh, not at all oh. um that yeah thank you for saying that i'm gonna think about that a lot yeah, yeah that was nice uh <laughs> <laughs> i i also want to talk about your your podcast too because i'm i'm a i'm a big fan of it and you get wonderful guests um and you have a great editor too, and we can get to him later. But um, where, where did the idea to, to do a podcast come from?
1: For uh, I would say, like the last couple of years, I've just kind of been saying, like I like I want to interview people. Or I want to like I like to have conversations, and so it's like I should have a podcast. I should have a podcast, you know, like laughing and and Ross, my husband, who's the editor, um, was like, well, then just do it, you know. But I'm like the queen of like having great ideas and poor follow through. So, you know, of course, he knew that it would probably take a few years to come to fruition. And then, like, the pandemic hit. And, like, for some reason, I don't know why that came out of the pandemic. Because, I mean, like so many of us, the pandemic was not a time to start new activities. It was a time to survive. But we put so much pressure on us to, like, think we should be changing the world. But it was like, no, like, we're, like, living in a worldwide pandemic. Like, it's just hard right now. But I was like, you know, this isn't the time to do it. And maybe it was just, like, working from home. So like lunch break, suddenly it's like, oh, I could like, I could get an interviewing. And it became like convenient and very like doable in my head that doesn't, you know, like like that's probably like the the practical part of my brain was like, you can do this. And then it was like, okay, like who, who would I even like interview and who would want to even talk to me? And it's actually Ross who's like, well, just email people, just ask. I'm like, I'm like well, I'm fine with rejection. Like if they say no, like I'm not going to be like, oh, never do it again. And so it was just coming up with a, a list of people and reaching out. And I was like, they were saying yes. And I'm like, oh, oh, wow. Okay, well I have to follow through now. You got to do this. I got to do
0: this. When you came up with your list, was there a common theme amongst those people? And and is there, um, how would you describe the focus of the podcast?
1: Oh, good question. Okay, so there is not a common theme other than what I learned is like, I really all my conversations so far like my first season and even going into now my second season are all women and it's not about I'm happy to talk to him but that just seems to be like where my conversations are taking me right now is so it's, it's very um very female identified focused um and so it was just like who do I who do I think I connected with in the sense of like, what do I love what they talked about? Who can I reach out to? And I just, it's like following this breadcrumb trail of all of a sudden, you know, you go to the next one and and the next one, so going into season two now, like reflecting back, I'm like, okay, I need to like, I need to have themes in my mind now about like, okay, what do I wanna talk about? Now who can I get to talk about that? Versus before I think it really started with the person of like, okay, who's someone I can talk to? Okay, now what, what can we talk about? So I hope to get you know shifted a bit to like what's my theme and now who's that person? May,
0: may I ask like do you have some themes in mind that you would like to discuss in season two?
1: You know I want to create more space for like definitely um, diversity anti- racism inclusion work. I like I lacked so much like of those conversations in my first season and probably to be honest because they're scary. For me you know because it's like i am white and i have a lot of work to do and i know that i'm doing good work but i have a lot to learn and you're always so fearful of saying the wrong thing and it's like but it's like no i need to like the platform that i do have i want to give it to the voices i i want to learn from in a respectful way that they have the opportunity to share these people and so i i hope to and i've, I've set up some amazing conversations with some community builders on that just to like highlight what's going on in a way that's my hope is that it's empowering for them and not emotional labor. You know, like that's, you know, that, that's something that, you know, I talked about with a lot of the guests. Um, I want to, I've had some people share like some wisdom of aging. I think I'd love to talk to more people just about like growing older and, and what that encompasses. And then again, of course, because I'm so rooted in wellness, it's just really about like what are things that we can do to just live our best lives while we're here.
0: Um, when you first started doing this, did you find that um, because of your, of your background and, and, and being a therapist in the past, were, was, were you comfortable with asking lots of questions? <laughs>
1: that
0: was a well timed honk of the horn. That
1: was some encouragement. It was. Um, <laughs> do you know, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, you know, it was just like I have no problem asking hard questions. I have no problem leaning into, you know, when you kind of pick up on those moments of like, you know, tell me more, right? Like, or you notice the pauses, like those subtle little things you can notice. And it's amazing because it's all been on Zoom because that's just where I've set it up and done it for ease. And you can still get that connection. And there's still those subtle pauses if you're paying attention. And, you know, as much as like my past experience has taught me to listen, I mean, I'm not a professional Interviewer, or host, or journalist, and so there's a different way that you have to listen as an interviewer. Tell
0: tell me more. I'm curious about that because you know I took it like we took interviewing classes at journalism school, and and a lot of it was on was on you know active listening. But I'm curious, like because you don't have that background, and yet you obviously know what's important. So how how do you how does that differ for you?
1: I think it's like you know when you're sitting with a client, like you're you're listening to like their there's subtle cues and nuances to like keep telling their story in a safe way or to you know because like I'm not there to solve their problems I'm there to basically help them solve their own problem like they have all the tools they need and to highlight that and you're listening to that but I find when you're interviewing like you're listening and you're paying attention but you also like you have to know where the next question's going to go if you need it but not miss an opportunity to allow it just to flow naturally right so there's that fine balance of like maybe your own agenda but the best conversations are the ones that don't have one and like so that's the part of it where your like brain is being pulled to like okay i want them to say more about that but also if we say more about that then we're going to lose this and you kind of make those like in the moment decisions while not losing concentration on what's being said and I'm sure there's has my eyes are like probably just like buggy trying to do it all and they're like what is wrong with her um but it's it's a it's a skill and I I think that that's something that like I also want to acknowledge like I don't have formal training like and I like it is journalism and so I think we need to But I think you're very good at it. Thank you, Eric. But you know, I think though it's something we also have to give credit to the professionals too. Like I think people don't give enough credit sometimes to journalists and doing the interviews. like it's a skill like it's not something you just like go and have a conversation like you have to keep it going and keep the flow and know when maybe something's enough and transition the topic and yeah it's a balance what yeah.
0: um, one, one of the things I that really comes through though to me anyways as a listener is that the people that you are speaking with um, like feel comfortable and safe and and trust you and obviously that's like that's not built up over years and years that's like pretty pretty quick that that happens I'm just wondering like how how you go about building trust so quickly
1: oh that you know it's funny cause it's like always in an interview when if like I, I'm one of those people like I like job interviews I don't mind them I really don't but it's like you know when they'd say like you know what are your best traits or you know your top three and and I've always felt like building rapport was one of them but I You know, I just, it's, you pay attention. Like, I just think when you pay attention to the person, you can see what lights them up or maybe where they're more uncomfortable or again, giving them the first question you're going to ask ahead of time. It's just a way to like, you know, just let it go a bit or if someone's more anxious, I'll give them an interview overview. I'll just say like, this is kind of the areas, but like, if we go off topic, by all means, we go off topic, like there's nothing there. And I think, I just know what it's like to deflect the guard a bit, right? Everyone wants to do a good job. And it's like, it's so amazing, like in so many of Oprah's interviews, she'll say, like, she's had the, pe- she had like any, like, the, the biggest people look at her and be like, was that good enough? she's like, was that good enough, Dr. Maya Angelou? Like, are you, was that, g-? yes, that was exceptional, right? But like, people just want to do good enough. So I think it's like, when you put them at ease at the beginning, where it's like, this is already great. So let's just have a conversation.
0: At the record show, I did not give you the first question in advance, and I think you did a wonderful job with it.
1: You did tell me though, like you did say, I have a big question for you. So I knew that it was like, okay, just pause, like just reminding myself, like just take the pause Mm -hmm. and just say what comes to your mind.
0: It's really interesting though, because when I worked at CBC for those eight years, like we, it was like, it was not our policy to give questions in advance. And, and I, I, it's a policy I agree with. but when I was working on, on our morning shows, if I was interviewing you, like booking you as a guest to go on with Alicia with Grubinski, um, you know, I, we would do a pre-interview first. So I we'd talk on the phone for a bit. And then what would often happen when I would do a pre-interview at the end of it, the person would say, oh, like, is there any way I can get the questions in advance? And I would say, well, no, that's not our policy. But I can tell you the conversation that we just had is going to be very similar to, to tomorrow. Just, you know, have some anecdotes or some stories in mind. And that seemed to... To calm people down, but I, I do think there's there's more there's more leeway in a in a podcast because there's been a couple times this past season where I've you know the the guests have said I'll, I'll do this but I'm I'm anxious or I'm nervous, and I've given them I, I gave them some questions in advance where I I thought okay here's where it might go, and then when we do the conversation I maybe touch on two of those but I think just it it calmed the anxiety a bit I think that helps
1: it does people want to be prepared people want to do a good job people don't want to look stupid and you know they want to come across as the best version of themselves and I think that that's totally fair but it's true like yeah I can give you the questions but you know we may not stick to them and, and that's okay you know but and it's funny too like they also like they feel a lot of confidence in like editing powers where they're like, oh, and we could like edit that out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, you're just like, you're like, okay, no, we want to keep that. Um, But just just knowing that it's not live Yes. I, right because like you know it's true with, with um, CBC and having done a couple interviews, you're right. That pre interview is the most calming experience. And it's like okay, like okay, now I, I know what it's like, but the moment that you go live you're like, oh no. Like this is the time where I'm going to like say the wrong thing or I'm gonna mess this all up and I you know, that performance anxiety takes over. Um, but in podcast because it's not in real time you know i think people have a lot of false security in the editing that we don't really do a lot of you know you're not cutting a lot of things out no no, no. not at all um
0: yeah that's so true yes as soon as you say it's it's not live and then it's like ah, exhale um i do you've been very kind with your time and i, I know i'm sure you you've got lots of, th- of things to do today um but i but i i really wanted to ask you this question because um earlier in the season on my podcast i had um I had Dr. Samantha Horswell on, and I had uh, Colleen McBride, and they're both therapists. And we were talking about um, just, in, you know, from their perspective, how Saskatoon, how people in Saskatoon are doing. This was in February, January, February, like in the midst of the, of the pandemic. And and I learned a lot from them, as I'm learning a lot from you right now. Um, and it was. It was the most downloaded, listened to episode of this season.
1: It was a great interview. Oh, well,
0: thank you. They, they were they were amazing. Um, but I, I, I've told some people that, and then they ask me, "Why do you think that is?" And I don't, I don't have a great answer. And so I'm hoping you can help me out with that because obviously your podcast is connecting with people, your social media presence is connecting with people, and I feel like you you touch on a lot of themes that they touched on in that interview um so what like why why has the last year and right now why is now the time where like people are sort of taking stock of of wellness and mental health and reflecting like what that's a big question
1: (laughs) it? it is but you know what i think you know we can all relate to struggle right struggle is not and i mean you know our struggles will struggles are impacted by privilege for sure, right? So I will never say everyone's struggles are the same. Absolutely not. Like, I have a job, so I can pay my mortgage. There's one less struggle I have, right? But I, you know, we just want to know that, like, we're connecting with humans. And it's like, when somebody struggles, we're like, oh my gosh, okay. And the, the saying that came out this pandemic that really stuck with me is like, we're not in the same boat, but we're in the same store. And I think that, that that's it, right? It's we're not in the same boat Every, you know some people are on a cruise and some people are in a canoe with a hole in it but we're all in the same storm and I think you know that conversation that you had on your podcast it was just acknowledging hard and I think we don't talk about hard enough and I think everything can get colored and like you know a, a term that's really taken off is that toxic positivity and just stay positive and things and it's like you know, with a lot of our, you know, social injustice movements that have happened, you know, we're really talking about inequities more than we have in the past. We're acknowledging struggles more than we have in the past. We're acknowledging barriers and equity-seeking individuals. And I think that those conversations are just creating these connections of people being like, okay, we need to start talking about the hard a bit more. And we can also talk about the good, right? It's, it's like I always say, we can be both and. It's not one or the other. You can't, just because you talk about negativity doesn't mean you're also positive. You know you can be both but we need we need to start acknowledging both and I think when we talk about mental health and stigma and struggles and barriers I think it gives people that permission to be like okay I can talk about myself too
0: that was a really wonderful answer (laughs) that was um, I'm so guilty of toxic positivity too especially within my within my home and sometimes my wife just says you know what like just say oh gosh that sucks Jen
1: you're a fixer Eric there's, this is like the couple's therapist. I'm like, you're a fixer. That's, you know what, and I mean, I don't want to be stereotypical, but I was like, a lot of men are fixers. And Ross too, he'll like come in with all the solutions. I'm like, no, Ross, I don't actually want a solution. I just, I, I just want you to let me like sit, sit in the suck. Like, I just want you to be like, oh babe, that sucks. And not give me the quick fix. Like, I, I just want to have a pity party for a bit.
0: Yes, I do want, to, I do want to fix. It,
1: it's, it's great, how lucky, you know what I mean? It's great, but it's normal, you're so, you're so normal. Normal, normal. We love to fix.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're gonna end this before this turns into an Eric therapy session, which will go many more. It was such. It was such a privilege to meet you finally because um, I do feel like I know you a bit and yet this is the first time I've met you but um, I think you were doing wonderful things um, in our community and beyond and I, ca- I can't wait for the second season of the podcast um, and you have a baby coming and I hope everything goes well um, it was just nice to meet you
1: oh it was so wonderful and I just I've been so enjoying your podcast Eric it's such like, it's good company thank you Lisa thank you